Well, hello everybody. Welcome to episode 276. That's 276. It's the ENS. Whoa! Podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Judah. Delighted to be joined by Mr. Liam Keane in association, of course, with Mr. Kettle and Toaster Man. Um, Liam, I was going to do a podcast on Thursday, post-Forest and pre-flipping West Ham, but I'm so angry, I'm so frustrated, I'm so annoyed that I feel like we need to, we need to get in the open. We need to, we need to start discussing um, the events of the weekend and uh, what a better way to do it than here at Kettle and Toaster Man HQ. HQ in here the, in the flesh. In the flesh, <laughs> uh, we mean to come for for quite a while. So thankfully, we've uh, we've both got some time. We've been shown around. We'll discuss a little bit more about our visit. Um, it is astonishing, by the way. Absolutely huge. Astonishing. We, and have we got some deals for you later <laughs> on? Have we? Um, but look, let, let's get straight to the most important thing, Liam. Uh, I got back at quarter past two in the morning, Sunday morning. Were you about the same? Yeah, I think, yeah, no, actually pretty much bang on. I went to bed at about half two, yeah. Um, but see, what I was going to say to you is, with the late, late nights like that was, 8pm kickoff, joke by the way, um, we left the ground at probably around midnight-ish. Just before, yeah, around five, two, something like that. When you get back, do you literally, because I know the missus is normally tucked up in bed Correct. at that time. Um, Not waiting for me by no, any means. No, 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 no. As, as mine was. See, for me, I struggle to go through the door, put my bag down, and then go straight up to bed. I need to, I need to chill. I need to maybe have a little bit of a nibble, a late night nibble, even though we're eating I bet well. You do. <laughs> <laughs> I'll with that, by the way. Um, and, uh, and, and, just, and just relax. Plus, I mean, I don't know about you, I had, you will have been the same. Over two and a half thousand notifications on my phone afterwards, after that game, with everything that went on. And part of my job, not that many people will know, obviously, is that I like to, every person who interacts with me on Twitter, whether it's a like, whether it's a comment throughout, from my tweets throughout a match day, I always go back, read them. I will see, I see everything. So whether it's a like or a reply or something like that, I think it's important to, for people who do interact with both of us on a match day that we do see everything. Now it might be, of course, a few hours after the game, but we do acknowledge everything and we take on board with what you say. And, and to be honest, I couldn't agree more with a lot of the comments during and after the game. I'm, I'm frustrated. I'm annoyed and I still am annoyed. Liam, the floor is yours to discuss two Quite incredible, especially the latter, the second one, the Gomez ghost goal, as we're as we're going to call it, um, and just basically your your thoughts on a perplexing evening uh, at Anfield. Well, I think let's start with the most solid goal because it's going to be a lot quicker than the VAR one. Um, this purely comes down to uh, you know you know how much I hate VAR. And unfortunately, I can't blame VAR or the officiating for this particular goal. It's just a crap law that we've got in our game at the moment. Um, you, you look at, you know, ex-footballers, I think Carl Henry, Dave Edwards have both tweeted about it um, since, about both incidents. But on the most solid goal, it makes absolutely no sense. So by the law, it was the correct decision, but it is absolutely ludicrous. Insane. He, he has to play the ball because... Guess what? He's a defender. Yeah. He has to attempt to play the ball. And, and Mo Salah's literally behind him I'm on not, his shoulder. Exactly. He, doesn't, he doesn't know he's, he's, he's a yard offside, does exactly. he? Exactly. I mean, he, he might have been two yards. He was yeah. way off. He yeah. was way offside. At least a metre or so. He was totally offside. 
So I spoke to Totti after the game as well, and he knows he's there, and he's like, look, I'm a defender, I have to play. Of course you do. I have to play the ball. If you duck and by some incredible chance thinking he's offside and he's not, and exactly. can you imagine the pelters that you'd be getting? And rightly so, rightly so, exactly. Rightly so, he'd be an exactly. absolute dog's abuse because he's a defender. Yeah. He has to go for the ball, he has to play it. Now, yes, he makes a mistake, which unfortunately he's been punished for. But in theory, he's been punished for playing the ball, mm. which I'm sorry, this is football. Yeah. That's, you're meant to play the ball. Yeah. Salah has an advantage by standing at least a metre offside mm -hmm. and scores a tap-in. Mm. I think it makes no sense. And had it been the other way around, I'd be saying the same thing. Yeah. I think it's a, it's a problem with the law in the game. Mm -hmm. So the law uh, you know, states that if it's a, a save, you know, in, in, in quotes, by a defender or a, or a goalkeeper... Um, then that and forced to uh, a forward, then they are offside. But because it's a genuine attempt to play the ball, Salah's onside. Makes no sense to me. So mm. it's it's a separate issue, but it's a purely a law issue that one, which needs to be looked at. And you know, you'd hope that after this game, particularly with the, the second issue, that um, that that the the officials and, and the governing bodies will look at it. Yeah, frustrating as well. The, the timing of the goal as well. Yeah. You know, just before half time, and then then Liverpool obviously got the pecker up a little bit, and, and, and were threatening. Liam, stop it. It's unbelievable. Um, I, just, I just wouldn't use that turn so, of phrase. But, well, I, I have it's, and I will. It's incredible. Um, and, you know, they kind of weathered the storm and got into half-time at 1-1, but annoying, annoying goal to um, to concede. We're going to go back we're going to go back to the actual incidents in the game and the goals and, and everything that, that Wolves did, but let's let's fast forward to uh, what, what could, what should have been um, a quite incredible winner. And let's be honest, uh, Wolves should have knocked out the holders, the FA Cup holders in Liverpool with, with the Totti Gomez goal. What 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 did you see at the, at the time? What's gone on during and post-match and obviously since post-match and that's happened? So the whole point of VAR, as far as I'm concerned, is to overturn incorrect decisions, have give fans and, and the media and everyone in attendance, everyone watching at home, a clearer picture of what has happened and what is going on. Yet me and you were sat with, with colleagues around us mm. in the stadium having no idea why the goal no. was disallowed. Well, we and saw the replay, didn't we? And, go, and we've, got, we've gone, it's a goal? Yeah, exactly. I mean, I actually tweeted that it is a goal because I was that... Convinced that it was going to yeah. be given because it was impossible not to be yeah. given. There wasn't there wasn't even like a doubt in my mind. Exactly because we're all thinking that the goal has been given offside for Totti Gomez yes. because we, we we can't see Nunes on the pictures. Mm. We've got absolutely no idea that that there's even a, a sniff of him being offside. And we we watch the replay and they're showing the the images where you see Totti moving towards the ball mm. when the first and second phase of play comes in. And I sat there saying to you, they're going to overturn this, it's a yeah. goal. Because yeah. I'm watching Totti and I'm like, he's about a yard onside, mm. he's, he's nowhere near offside. Then it gets given off, the mm. VR does not overturn it, and I'm thinking, what's going on here? Yeah. For a good five, ten minutes, we, sure. still, we still don't know what the decision is, which makes absolutely no sense, is not the purpose of VR. Mm. The purpose of VR is to overturn wrong decisions and communicate to mm. the people in the stadium and at home What's happened? I mean, Lopetegui's reaction. I mean, my word. I mean, by by the way, justified, of course. Of course. But going absolutely bonkers, and rightly so, because yeah. he, he they've got monitors pitch side as and, well. And, and they're, they're getting booked their... for it. I mean, there, there should be a lot of people booked for that, and it wasn't Lopetegui. Exactly. And um, and we have no idea what's going on. We're, we're sat there, you know, still scratching our heads. I tweeted saying, look, if anyone's got any idea why yeah. he's offside, yeah. I'm all ears, let me know. We then find out, you know, as the game's coming, winding to an end, and then after the game that it's really Nunes. We then get all the images through where you can just see, I either can't see him at all or can see the head and, head and shoulders mm -hmm. coming through at the bottom of the screen. 
Still can't see a reason why he's offside. Mm. And still to this day, what is it? It's just gone half two on yeah. Monday. Yeah. And we still don't know no. officially, not officially if he was offside or not. So the images that have come Well, up, we know he was on, we know he, he wasn't. Well, the, well the, the, the images that we've seen since then seem to show that he's not off. But my point is that we don't officially know. There's not been any images put out by the PGM or the FA and to say that he's definitely off or on. And for me, that's the bigger problem than the actual goal itself. Because well, because they know they're wrong, that's why. Because, he, because, <laughs> because he's not, because he's on. It's, exactly. It's not even a, So there, not there, there's, there's the picture that, um, uh, or, or video, sorry, I think, that, um, that a fan got from the uh, Sir Kenny Dalglish stand that show, seems to show that he's onside, albeit from the angle it's slightly difficult to tell. There's other ones that, that Wolves have used that I know um, that uh, some of the media have used that seem to show him onside. But the fact that we've not had enough, anything official mm. from the governing bodies, even now, almost 48 hours after the incident, is absolutely astonishing. They should either, you know, confirm or deny whether it was on or off, mm. offer some sort of apology or explanation. And I know that Wolves, just to tick this off the list for questions, that the Wolves today are contacting both the FA and PGMR to get a full explanation of what's going on. And, and hopefully we'll have that in due course. I mean, it was a a plethora of errors that, that led up to this. Not Not just... Not just the, the this ghost goal, but also why did the linesman flag? You know, is he is he flag? You're told to to kind of play, give the advantage, and then and then bring it back. Exactly. So so he's flagged. So they've got they've gone with it. There's the there's this weird video that's going around of the referee giving a little nod to the to the side to to, to the assistant referee. Um, Can I just on very quickly on that yeah. before you go? Yeah. I'll give the, ben the referee a slight benefit of the doubt in that you can't see the the, the linesman in the video that we've seen mm -hmm. and you can see the back of the referee so you can't see his face but it does very much look like he instructs the mm -hmm. linesman to raise his flag yeah. and as far as I'm concerned no referee no. in any level of the game should be telling a linesman when and when not to raise his flag no. that is up to them as a, as a professional to be making their own decision and I think that is bang out of order on its own, and you're totally right in your point that if he, you know, he, he, they're meant to raise the flag late or, or not raise it at all, um, so that VAR can do its job. Albeit, I think it's a crap job. Um, and uh, had he not raised his flag because VAR didn't have the images to conclusively say yes or no whether it was onside or not, had he not raised his flag, the goal would have been given because they couldn't overturn it. So whatever decision the, the officials made, because VAR didn't have the pictures to make a decision themselves. The on-field decision would have stood regardless. So Wolves have been are, are very unlucky and hard done by in, in two factors, really. Well, three factors, really, because you look at it and you go, how the hell at one of the yeah. biggest and most famous grounds in the world, in world football, absolutely, where VAR is obviously there, um, that there is no camera angle that can show definitively what happened in that goal and why why it should have been allowed to stand. So they've been done by the assistant referee, slash referee for me. Yeah. They've been done by this camera angle and then they've been done again by by by, by VAR, you know, not not allowing the goal. So it's almost like three different phases where Wolves have been screwed in every single one. And if they're not screwed in just one of those phases, the goal stands. So it's just incredible. And look, I'm not... I'm not going to bang on about top six and and you know them getting the rub of the green because I, I don't like to go down that line. But I must admit, driving away from that stadium on on Saturday night, you've got to wonder certain issues in that game and you've got to question it. And when the when they're looking for 
errors, whether they're looking for an explanation now. I, for me, I've, I've kind of lost interest. You know, it's it's been done. There's been a massive screw up. Whether they admit they're wrong or not, like like we're in an office now talking. I guarantee you, when the referees in the office and they're talking about this game, they're talking about there has to be a response because Wolves have asked for a response. It's not going to be about holding the hands up and admitting there was a huge mistake. You can see it. It's about damage limitation. They'll be looking Absolutely. at about how to do how how they can best get over this with a minimal amount of unrest. And that's what frustrates me. And look at I think that they did get I think they did get a bit screwed really by a bigger club. And the fact that there's no video footage there and and that and that like you say, Liam, there's nothing that's come out even to this day. Um, you know, at 2.30, 3 o'clock in the afternoon on Monday to talk about it, to talk about the camera angle, to say whether it was right, to say whether it was wrong, to give a definitive answer is an absolute disgrace. And you know if the boot was on the other foot. You know for a fact that something would have come out. And that's that's the frustrating thing for me. Well, I agree with you. I won't go down the same rabbit hole of, you know, top six buyers, big club buyers, corruption, etc., which I know a few people are. But Totti Gomez made a couple of suggestions in the interview that I had with him after the game. Um, I don't know this for certain, but you'd imagine he may get a fine or a charge from the FA for, for what he said, albeit he was quite clever in the way he said it. Um, I hope he doesn't, but there's a possibility that he will. Um, but I think it's quite refreshing that, that he's felt he could speak his mind um should be the moment of his life. It's the moment of his life. Exactly. Been taken away. A, a winner goal. at Anfield. It's not the FA Cup winners in a three-two. Those those are the things that don't come round every season. That is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity there, and it's been taken away from him by absolute disgusting amount of of incompetence. Really. Yeah, complete incompetence yeah. on the field and off the field. Yeah. And um, and by the way, great finish from Totti. <laughs> great finish. All, albeit it doesn't stand. Um, but yeah, no, I completely agree. Like we're we're totally um, to totally on the same page with this one. And I'll reiterate my point that Wolves not having the goal and not having the winner is bad enough. But not being able to to, to I don't get my words out conclusively say whether it was a goal or not, and still right now as we're recording this, and I'm sure there may be something that comes out later or in the, in the next day or two. But right now as we're recording, not to be able to say conclusively whether it's a goal or not is for me even worse. You know my feelings on VR. I've said it on this podcast a million times. I'll say it again. I don't like it. I don't think it helps the game at all. I think at sometimes the the rules and the laws, particularly around handballs, etc., um, exasperate the problems with VAR, and it's not necessarily all at fault for those. But as a whole, if you if I could flick a switch tomorrow and get rid of it and have officiating uh, human error um, as the only as the, as the only issue, I'd do it tomorrow. I hate the technology. I think there's a way of implementing it correctly but I don't see any way that they're going to make that happen because they've had enough years now to get it right I think it's a farce and unfortunately the oldest cup competition in the world on the weekend became a comedy because they could not implement what should be a quite simple technology um, onto one of the most expensive games in football if I can flick a switch and get rid of you I would I tell you what in an absolute heartbeat there is absolutely no need heartbeat um, look and we talk about whether it's a goal or not I mean it is a goal and what I thought was quite interesting as well, and I talk about, you know, reading through the notifications and, and look, I was very strong on Twitter uh, post-match. Uh, I, I was very frustrated. And two things that I thought were very, very interesting on whether it was a goal or not, and it was a goal. One, Jurgen Klopp's post-match presser. Um, if anyone's seen the post-match presser, or he is the most sheepish <laughs> I have ever seen Jurgen Klopp in a press conference. And I've... 
I've ever seen him since he's been Liverpool manager. It was almost apologetic. Now, some of the words that came out of his mouth, like, you know, Wolves, Wolves will be will be happier than us with a replay. I mean, you know, that's an that's embarrassment. But Pull the, the other one, yeah. But, but, the, way, <laughs> but the, way he was, the way he delivered his post-match press conference, he knew that they'd got away with one there. Absolutely got yeah. away with one. And two, with the sort of stuff I said as well on Twitter, like I say, I wasn't going down the sea line, not sea bombing, I felt like sea bombing, <laughs> but the sea line and corruption. I wasn't doing, doing that by any means, but I was saying, look, they've been robbed, they have been robbed. You would normally get, if it was maybe a marginal decision, I'd be inundated with Liverpool responses. You know what I mean? From, from fans or from fan groups and shared and quote tweeted. There must have been, I could count on one hand the amount of, from the thousands of, of interactions I had, on one hand, how many Liverpool fans replies there. And that's because they know as well. Yeah. They know as well. So that, that speaks volumes, by the way. As well. We all know what Twitter's like. That's what I'm saying. It that speaks volumes. I was stunned. I was expecting to see a lot more, and there wasn't, because they knew. They knew. Yeah. Um, but out of all that, the most, the most frustrating thing, Liam, for me, take away all of that, is that we're still talking with 15, 20 minutes into this podcast, and we've talked about two VAR decisions, when really what we should be talking about is this team going to Anfield, making nine changes after, a, you know, a, by and large, excellent performance Aston Villa, turning it around against a full-strength Liverpool side, as strong as they could go on paper, and producing a quite sensational performance, which should have knocked the cult holders out. And, and that's annoying in, in, in the fact that they're not getting the credit they deserve for that performance, because that was a magnificent 90-plus four or five minutes for, for me from Lopetegui's men. Completely agree. Um, I think I can highlight the performance. I'll go into other things as well, but you can highlight it with one particular individual in the situation he was in, and that's Dexter Lembekisa. He was up against Cody Gakpo making his Liverpool debut, and I don't think you can mention Gakpo's name once in any match report, in any commentary. Um, he kept him exceptionally quiet. Now, though, you know, you can look at the... Um, Look at the equaliser, Nunes equaliser, and, and Lembekis has definitely lost his man and not tracked him. But overall, I thought the 19-year-old, who's just signed a new deal today as yeah, well, well-deserved. a well-deserved new deal, I think was excellent. Um, I don't like to blow my own trumpet, but I did call it in pre-season that he's, a, you know, he's, he's one to watch. You've got to give me that one. You've got to give me that you one. You did. You said about 15 names, but I was one of them. No, 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 no. I, I, I tell you what, I've got a keen eye, keen eye. <laughs> oh God, don't go with and that. That was not don't a pun. pun. That was not a pun. Oh, but I just realised wow. how good it was. You've got it written uh, down in your notes. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I, I, honestly, from what I've seen from him in the last eighteen months or so, I genuinely thought he, you know, he had a good chance, and I'm really pleased that he's impressed Lopetegui. But you're totally right. I thought Wolves tactically had it spot on. Um, you said after the game that Lopetegui is, is outclassed Klopp there tactically. Um, I think out coached him. I think out coached yeah. him absolutely. I think Wolves. They were intense when they needed to be. Mm -hmm. They didn't press uh, recklessly, but they impressed in intently when they had to at the right times. Joe Hodge, I thought, had an excellent game and was very aggressive at the right times. Mm -hmm. Neves as well, at the right times. And they played perfectly on the counter. Adama Chouri got into the, the, the kind of positions you want him to. Yeah. Geddes worked a lot harder than we've seen in the past and took his goal well. Obviously, it was a massive error from mm -hmm. Alisson, but he, he's, no, he still had to do his bit. Um, and individuals that have not particularly performed. Johnny's another example. I thought he had a shaky 10 minutes at the beginning and settled and actually had a very good performance in the end. So individuals, as well as a collective that have not really performed recently, mm. all stepped up. And I thought yeah. it, was a, it was a very uh, complete performance mm. from Wolves that deserves a hell of a lot better. And one more player I will mention, but I'm sure I'll probably trump in a question here, Nathan Collins. Mm. He's become a little bit of a scapegoat, mm -hmm. I think, in recent weeks. 
And you have to criticise when you know mistakes or poor performances creep in. And there have been mistakes from him, without a doubt. But his overall performances, and particularly against Liverpool, I thought was excellent. Um, he's been very good the last few weeks. Mm-hmm. He's got increasingly better, I think, as the team has over Everton, through to United, through to Villa, and then this game. Um, the error with the, the silly clearance for the equaliser um, was poor. But overall, he deserves credit. And, um, and I wanted to make that clear because he does get some pounters online sometimes, Collins. And I think there's a, for a 21-year-old, you know, he comes and, he comes and spoke to us after the game at Villa. He doesn't shirk anything. He, he does his bit speaking to the media. He, he, he's got real leadership qualities as a 21-year-old lad. Um, and I think there's a real good player in there. Um, no, I concur. I think, I think sometimes, if sometimes the foreign lads get a bit of a, bit of an easy ride compared to, you know, if you're British based and, um, He's Irish, but you know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> well, you just ruined that whole segment there. No, Go but on. you know what I mean, like Nathan Collins. Yeah, he's yeah. It's, um, he's a lot closer to the it's, it's, yeah. an easy, it's, it's an easy one. And look, at don't get me wrong, like Nathan Collins has made some errors as well, but but come on, like put some put some respect on the name. Like this guy, and also went straight to the fans, right in there for a 21-year-old lad as well. I think he's, I think he's one of the ones who will always... Applaud. He knows it. We you spoke to him at length um, in pre-season, and you know, very, very quiet, unassuming guy off the pitch. Um, you know, doesn't like the fancy things in life. You're not going to see him clubbing and partying and and you know, champagne popping till till all hours. But he he loves his football. He's very determined. And look, I think he'll be um, one of the people you want at this club for a long time to come. I, re- I really believe that. And I think he could become a leader. He's got to find his voice a little bit more for me during games. But there's a lot of things he's done very well in the Villa and. And this game that I think, you know, look, you're a central defender. You're playing four at the back. Off More often than not, the, your centre-backs are going to become a little bit more um, under scrutiny because at the end of the day, they're, apart from Jose Sarr, they're the last line of defence, aren't they, those two? When you're playing a back three, you can maybe have a look at it. But that that's always going to happen for me. And I, I thought it was excellent. Another person I thought was brilliant on the day and actually has been was, has been very good uh, over the last month and a half is, is Joe Hodge. And you talk about yeah. Lembekisa. Signing new deal. I mean, Joe Hodge got me knocking on that door he because be, he's sure. been he's been brilliant, hasn't he? Yeah, really, really has. Um, again, uh, just you know, I, I should be a scout, really. Um, just me, God. just me picking up players in you know in pre-season, watching the twenty three. Oh, so is, like, is this another one? Is it? It's another one. That oh, I, said, right, okay. I, said, I said he's going to okay. do well. Okay. Yeah, you know, I've just got a keen eye for it. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, no, look, I um, I think he's I think he's really maturing now. Um, I, I don't want to compare him to. Luke Cundall and and put Cundall down, but if you do compare their impacts this mm-hmm. season in comparison to Cundall's last season, Cundall made two starts, one against Spurs away, did a very good job, albeit kept it simple, um, and then Newcastle mm. in April and wasn't great. Mm. A few sub appearances here and there as well. Um, Joe Hodge is now impressed every time he started a game. Mm. He's coming off the bench, I think, and making a difference. Mm. Um, he's very sort of diminutive and unassuming, mm. but he's tough in the tackle he's, there's no messing around he's... I think people look at him and they'll look again you know British look at his height and, and they're kind of exactly, I'm not yeah. saying write him off but uh, maybe some people do maybe some opposition do and I think that that's that's too that, that's too his, his detriment but I think he quite enjoys it as well because look some of some of the he, he runs non-stop I thought I think his use of the ball as well is excellent yeah. very very rarely do you see him have a straight pass and Calm for for that age to go there to to put a performance like that. I mean, he's played some big teams already, George. I mean, came on. I think it was debut was at Chelsea, wasn't yeah, it? Half time, half time. Uh, for Geddes, maybe. Yeah, it was. was that, yeah, Geddes. Yeah, um, that was the uh, the unfortunate 
instant we get as well, he was throwing his arms up and yeah, exactly. Yeah. And yeah, it was that was that was that day. Um, you know, this 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 guy has been has been fantastic, and look, it'll be interesting because. Uh, I'm not saying Luke Kundal's taking it for granted. Look, I haven't haven't tracked him too much while he's been on loan, to be honest. Um, so maybe something we can have a look at in the next podcast. But um, you know, you, you go into as it stands at this moment in time, you thought maybe Joe Hodge, who would not even in the close to being in the picture at the start of the season, has probably gone ahead of Luke Kundal in in the in. I would have thought if you're looking at central midfielders at this club and both are ready to start, you, you'd go with him, mm-hmm. wouldn't you? They're very different midfielders as well, mm-hmm. so I don't want to. Um, sort of put Cunnel down certainly but I've definitely been I have to say more impressed mm. by Hodge from what I've seen so far and I don't want to typecast him as well as someone who is just a tough tackling uh, sort of terrier like mm. midfielder because technically he's very good mm. he's very good technically as well um, you talk about the calmness there I mean the amount of times he picks the ball up with his facing the defender with his back to the opposition and can get out of a tight mm. situation, whether it's with a neat pass or a turn, mm. or just mentally and physically quite sharp and quick. Yeah. Um, that's his game down to a T. Mm. I think he, he, he picks forward passes. I think he does get forward when he mm. can. He scored a couple of goals for the 23s um, in the uh, in the Papa John's against Shrewsbury. Uh, so you know he's got an eye for goal as mm. well. I think um, he's got definitely some developing to do. Mm. But Lopetegui's taking a shine to him. He's in a great position now to keep particularly with the amount of midfielders at the club, mm. to keep pushing on and make a make a stake to uh, to start some Premier League games. Uh, a, word on, a word on Villa. I mean, I'm not going to go too much too over it because we've got to get on. But um, look, uh, 45 minutes is as good as I've seen from a, from a Wolves side. And we'll go on to transfers in a minute. But the fact that Julian Lopetegui has, for me, transformed already the way that this side plays, has given them the confidence to go forward, has given them um, a different mindset, which I think is very, very important. But the way they're playing those first 45 minutes, and look, I know that people are frustrated with the last half an hour, and I get it, but you've also got to understand that this isn't a fifth or sixth place side going to Aston Villa where you could be a bit frustrated because your expectations are so high. This is a, this is a team that were 19th in the table who have gone to Villa, who have who just on the back of, of excellent wins against the, like, the likes of Chelsea and Spurs and Man United. To, to do that and to go there to play them and to play them off the park, really, for, for let's be honest, the... I guess a decent majority of the game is very exciting. A frustration, of course, that they didn't get the job done because everybody's looking at them being 16th and out the relegations and all of a sudden they finish 19th with, with results. But if they can keep that going and they keep those levels going, Liam, for me, and they can replicate... If they can replicate Villa and Liverpool against Forest and West Ham... I think we could be in a semi, talking about this time next week, talking about being in a semi-final and now the relegation zone. And for me, that's the most important thing, to keep those levels up with the week that we've got coming up. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the midfield battle was really essential there. I think Villa missed McGinn, definitely, because I think he's a good player. But they've got some very good midfielders, Kamara, Douglas, Louise. I think Buendia pops up in, in dangerous positions. And Wolves pressed them so aggressively and went after Villa, really, mm. if we're going to be honest to win the ball back and give the likes of Neves the opportunity to dictate the play and pass, uh, make these crossfield passes. Nunes to pick the ball up deep and run at Villa. Open the space of a midfield, take two, three on and pick a forward passing down the channels. I think they played it perfectly. I really do. Um, obviously frustrating not to not not to win it and, and you felt that they should have done really uh, if it wasn't for uh, a mix-up with, with the goal. Bueno uh, loses Ings, Kilman's doesn't find him off his sort of left shoulder. 
Um, he runs into that gap and it's too easy, really. You know, Wolves should be doing better defending that. Of course, then the, the Bailey chance at the end, they could have lost it. Um, I think Wolves edged it. I mean, Villa obviously had the majority of the second half, but Wolves edged it because they had some counter-attack opportunities as well. And um, it was unfortunate not to get the three points. Mm. But on the face of it, Villa were, look, were looking very good before the game. Um, a tough place to go. High stakes. Wolves needed something at the game, particularly games coming up in the Premier League. And I thought a point was a, was a pretty good one, to be honest. Sorry to go back over old ground, but there was one point that I missed in this Liverpool game. And I, I just want to have one minute on it or, or less. Andy Robertson on Dama Traore, that stamp. Like... Which I missed during the game, by the way. I, I, I missed it as well. It was only after I, the game I couldn't I believe it, it when I saw it. Um, it's when I got home, actually, I saw it. I mean, there's no way in a million years he, he, he's having difficulty clearing him. He, cl he can clear him quite easily and, and, and not make contact. He's no slouch, by the way, Robertson. Robertson has, has time and time again talked about Troy, saying he's probably one of the worst people. He, he hates marking him in the country. For me, that's malicious. For me, he's very fortunate. Whether that's seen or not, I don't know whether there's going to be retrospective action, but I would like that to be looked again because that is, for me, a red card offence. And by the way, how dangerous. Horrendous. That? I mean, that, that, Horrendous. Could, that could slice you open. Yeah. It could, you know, it could, you know, it just, you know, the brain sort of CTE issues, it could be, a, you know, a I mean, it's high. I mean, it's right on him. Yeah, exactly. It's um, not good at all. Is there anything, that, anything on that? Not that I'm aware of, but it's certainly one that I, I would imagine Wolves, when they're making contact today, would, would mention that. I'd be very surprised if they don't. Um, Maybe want to speak to Lopetegui about on Tuesday? Yeah, I mean, look, the, the press conference tomorrow, Tuesday, as you say, mm. ahead of the ahead of the game um, against Forest, will be an opportunity for us all to ask Lopetegui some of these things mm. with Wolves having contacted the PGMR. So I'd imagine more will come out of it in that but obviously anything in the meantime I'll be uh, I'll be sure to get out we're going to go we're going to preview Forest before and then we'll, we'll preview um, West Ham at the end of this game again we're, we're doing it on Monday uh, look Forest look chance to get into a semi-final here a two-legged semi-final in the Carabao Cup but you're going away to Forest Forest rested the majority of their team on the weekend in their FA Cup defeat I think they got stuffed by Blackpool didn't they was it Blackpool they yeah 4-1 4-1 yeah. um You've got to think that they'll probably play a full-strength side, I would have thought. Well, they played pretty much a second eleven against yeah. Blackpool. So yeah, I mean, be, it was very much a second I'll eleven. I'd be shocked if they don't play. Although they do have, I believe it's Leicester at the weekend, so which is quite a big game. It so is. they may... I mean, they're, similar, they're in similar situations. There's actually yeah. some massive games at the bottom um, yeah. going into this weekend, but I'll, say, I'll come on to that a bit later on. But from the team that started, Liam, and nine changes, I mean, you look at the people on the bench, Jose Saar... Huang, who came on and scored, it's good, good that he scored. I mean, it's slightly fortuitous, but looking at right place, right time, great. So, Sa, Huang. And I thought uh, he did well, actually, Huang off the bench. Yeah, he did, he did. He, he looked, you know, looked brighter. He worked hard, looked bright. It's almost like the pressure was off him a little bit. Yeah, when know? he gets his tail up and he gets that confidence, that's the kind of performance he puts in. Um, you know, Kunya came on again a little bit longer this time. Uh, Semedo, Max Kilman didn't come off the bench, but you'd, you'd think would probably come in into this lineup, uh, Nunes, who was sensational when he came on. Yeah, excellent. Um, and Bueno. So these are the kind of players that I, I assume will be will be pushing for a place on, on Wednesday night. Look, at the same time, these guys came in and did a great job, which I think is perfect that he's got, you know, really a squad of 17, 18 players who he can he can move in, move out there, and, and you're not losing too much, or, you, you know, depending on freshness and, and who's playing well and who's not. I guess first question to you, Liam, is... Do you go full strength, full strength? Do you play horses for courses, or do you go? Do you mix and match slightly? With, I've got to be honest. If you've got to win one game, of course it's going to be the West Ham game on Saturday. Or do you go full strength and try and get into a semi-final? For me, 
I think you play the best possible team you do on Wednesday and then you assess it on Friday and you play the best possible team you can on on, on the Saturday. Um, do you would you be a slightly more um, not saying defensive minded from a from from a formation point of view, but selection wise on on the Wednesday? I, I agree that I think you can isolate the two games and pick the you know the right eleven for both. What I feel that Lopetegui may do is I think he'll go stronger than than he did at Liverpool, but possibly you know two three areas that he may i.e. Joe Hodge, for example, may leave a player like that in um, oh, yeah, yeah. For, for Forrest and, and maybe perhaps drop him for, mm. for West Ham. But overall, I think that these are, it's important to make enough of a fuss about the fact they've only got a couple of days really to, to recover and train before the next game. But at the same time, not to go overboard on it because these are very capable athletes mm. who can play mm. a couple of games in a week. Mm. So um, I do think it'll be fairly strong mm. on Wednesday. And again, obviously for, for West Ham, um, Saar, you'd imagine, comes comes straight back in. Um, he played against Ginningham, but that was more to do with the fact that he um, he hadn't played for for, yeah. for Portugal at the World Cup, hadn't played really at all. So mm. they needed some game time in him. But I suspect that he'll come back in. Um, I would, yeah, Collins, Kilman, I think both start. Um, Semedo probably does start. But I could see a world where he saves him, plays Johnny on the right. Saves Samada for West Ham. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Bueno probably comes in as well. Depends it, on the three injuries, I guess, with with Moutinho, Costa, and and, Pedence and, yeah, and whether they're available. Yeah, definitely. I could see Aitnori potentially playing um, for further forward like he did at Liverpool. And I'll, I'll save my uh, mm-hmm. analysis of that because there was a question about that. If mm-hmm. you could come to it, because um, I mean, there's a lot, there's a lot of questions, so I might not. So <laughs> I'm just saying you can answer it however you want to. <laughs> I'll, well, I'll try and come back. Okay, we'll try and come back to it. Um, I think Nunes probably does start. And Neves, and it depends whether with with Hodge whether it's a, a three or mm. a, a two really. Um, and then up front is probably the biggest talking point really, yeah. which it has been for weeks. Mm. Um, Costa, we don't know the, the the extent of his injuries at the moment. Cunha, I don't think is going to be ready to to start for Wednesday. I could be wrong, but I think you're looking at West Ham or possibly the game after that as a, yeah. as more of a start for him. Yeah. So I would expect him as a start. And I know a few people don't agree with me here, but I did feel he looked a bit sharper. I thought he looked. Don't get me wrong, not a 10 out of 10, 100% Raul Jimenez, but look better than we've seen, I think. Yeah, look, um, the bench were very animated when they clapped Jimenez off. Uh, ironically, it was his worst period, I guess, when they were when they were, had a great break, didn't they? Yeah. And uh, just sort of four on three, wasn't four it? Four on three, and uh, I don't know what he was trying to do. He, he's, he's not with it. He's, he's not Raul Jimenez of old, let's be honest. Um, but there were there were signs, there were a few signs that he was starting to get into some better positions back post where he needed. Yeah. Um, you know, just a, just a tapping, I guess. Really, just just too far. Was it the Triori cross? Yeah, I think and it he was, was sliding in. Yeah, and he was just in. about half a yard off it. Uh, just before Wolves' goal, uh, he should have done better. He gets anything on that? Um, I think when he was moving, I think he moved across Canate in front of him. Gets anything on that? It's a goal. Look, it's, it's, he's not he's not quite there. He's not. But um, if Diego Costa's not fit, then you've got to think that Raúl Jiménez is going to lead the line. And, and the reaction that I think the bench gave him as well, it was almost over the top, geeing him up, getting his confidence up, getting his belief back up, gave me the, um, I guess, insinuated to me that he he was that Costa will not be available on on Wednesday. And that's, this is the guy that they need him to lead the line on Wednesday. And look, if he does well on Wednesday, and you get 60 minutes out of him again before Cunha, potentially leading the line on Saturday as well. I mean, these are two huge games that Raúl Jiménez could be could be leading the line for Wolves and starting both games. So you've got to give him, you've got to get behind him. I think that's the most important thing. And, you know, it's not the Raul Jimenez of three years ago. We know that. We know what's gone on. But um, 
let's let's get behind him as much as possible. And to be fair, I think the majority of fans inside the stadium have done. Social media is a little bit different, but um, he could be he could be huge. Now, if he does start, who is he flanked by? Because there's some there's some interesting candidates there, isn't there? Yeah, there is. Um, again, I'll, I'll go for it now with Aitnori because I think it makes sense. He. I thought actually did very well. <laughs> I like him. I like the, him I, I, it's an easy comparison to make, um, but a lot of fans were making it. Could he be Wolves' Gareth Bale? It's an easy one to use because he, came, you know, he, he was left back, moved into left wing. Of course, became, ended up becoming a, a world class Champions League winning forward. But mm. Ain't Nori, I think he carries the ball really well. I think he's one of Wolves' best ball carriers in mm-hmm. the squad, actually. Um, he's very neat and tidy with the ball at his feet, he's quick. He can get in behind. He's got an eye for a pass. We know he's got an eye for a goal over the last couple mm-hmm. uh, last couple of weeks. Um, albeit, you know, his goal scoring stats haven't been amazing, but he has been a left back slash wing back for the majority of his career. So, uh, I do think there's a lot of potential there. The fact that Lopetegui started him in that position mm-hmm. away at Liverpool in the FA Cup proves that he thinks there's something in it. Mm-hmm. Whether that's a long term thing, you know, is yet to be seen. But mm-hmm. you know, you wouldn't start him there if you weren't confident enough with him. Mm-hmm. And I think there's definitely potential with that. So there's. Um, I could see him starting there again against Forest, particularly mm-hmm. with one eye on playing a, a more you know conventional winger against West Ham. Mm-hmm. Um, Pedence, obviously, we don't know what his injury uh, is like at the moment. Lopetegui, um, my only criticism, or one of my few criticisms so far, he's been very tight-lipped on injuries. Mm-hmm. Um, whether it doesn't translate properly the questions or whether there's a reluctance to, to give information. We'll keep plugging away with it, but mm-hmm. he's been quite reluctant to give much on those at the moment. Um, so we don't know where he's at. Adama, I thought, had a good game um, against Liverpool, albeit maybe tied a little bit towards the end, a little bit leggy, a couple, couple of decisions that you would have felt he'd have made and been a bit sharper with earlier in the game. Mm-hmm. But there's potential for him to start. Um, Guedes got the goal, obviously, wasn't you know outstanding, but certainly better. I think playing through the middle suited him. Um, he worked a lot harder, won some duels and looked a, looked more up for it. So there's, there's a potential for him. Um, but the overall message really, and, and Quang off the bench, as I, as I mentioned already, the overall message really is that I think Wolves, are, it feels like they've got a couple more options now because of, maybe it's because of the performance against Liverpool. And we know that some of these players that haven't shown it in, in recent weeks have still got it and mm. can do it. And if they've shown it against Liverpool in the FA Cup, against a full strength Liverpool, there's no reason why some of them can't keep their place for, for Forrest and, and perhaps do the business. Lovely stuff. We'll come on to um, West Ham in a little bit. But first of all, got to talk about our sponsors, kettleandtoasterman.co.uk. Kettleandtoasterman.co.uk. We finally made it. We're finally here at HQ. Kino, this place is absolutely massive. It's a maze. It's huge. I, I pull in I pull in a l- little bit later than I should have Shock. done. Shock. Absolutely <laughs> a little, unbelievable. A little bit, little bit later than I should have done. And um, look, lovely shop front. So much, pro- so many products available. Um, on the website as well, we talked about it. There's over 1,100 products on the website. I mean, then you come back to the offices and you come behind the scenes. I mean, this place, we're looking at it now. We can see it behind us, the warehouse. It's absolutely massive. Well, I say we can see it. I can't see the end of it. It's huge. I know. You, um, when, you, when you first pull up, because it's a shop front is what you mm. see, um, and the shop is a, is a decent size, mm. but it doesn't look absolutely huge when you pull up. Mm. And once you go out the back, I mean, it just keeps going and going. Yeah. It's like a TARDIS. It's, it's amazing. And, you know, Wayne Shown is around the owner. It's th- thank you very much for doing that. And 
some of the products, I mean, I say there's 1,100, there's 30,000 products here. I mean, this is literally Amazon warehouse. This, this is absolutely oh, huge. And it's a treasure trove, isn't it, as well? I mean, I know your eyes were going everywhere. <laughs> I'll have a little bit of that. I'll have a little bit of this. I'll have a little bit of that. But the, and I'm not, I'm not just saying this, you know, for, from the sponsorship point of view, but you could pick up 20 or 30 things here because they are, they look great. They, they're fantastic. And the products are there and the prices are, 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 are unbelievable. And this, this isn't just like, Yes, they use the, some of the stuff is is secondhand products, and and you know they're made to to be absolutely top draw. But some of the stuff is either brand new end of the line stuff, absolutely top draw, where they just and and they'll buy it, or there um there might be a little dent in a box in a box, and then they're knocking half price. You know these these are these are incredible bargains here that are just it's just insane. I mean I, I genuinely we're Briley Hill. Um, Which, by wanna... the way, you don't even know where it is. No, I so... didn't know where it was. I didn't, I didn't, know, I didn't know where it was. I got like, West Bromley Hill. I've never heard of it. But it's amazing to go around and just to see the, the offers the offers that are there. No, exactly. And, I mean, who actually ever keeps a box for anything? No one keeps I mean, a no box. One can... No one keeps a box. No one's, you know, I don't think the snobbery is high enough mm. where anyone's like, right, I've got to keep the box. If it's not, if it's not immaculate, yeah. I'm not buying it. You could save easily half of yeah. the money on what the product yeah. should be. And it's, it, it's exactly the same products yeah. inside. And they're shipping all around the world as well, you know, and it's it's fantastic that we're allowed to to have a look at it and um, and some great products available. There's two two that I want to mention today. Uh, I guess different different ends of the market, uh, but everybody, Kino, I know you said it was you were going to go back. You went back for fourth at Liverpool. That's not true. You went back for fourth, including true. the cheese. No, no, but you went back for you went I was three getting, times. You went to for brie and biscuits. I was getting two crackers at a time, though. Come on. Uh, how many? Yeah, but there were a lot of chunks of brie going down. No, no, no. Come how on. many visits to the food to the food <laughs> counter were there? For the mains, one. And for the cheese, <laughs> three. Three. <laughs> <laughs> for three. So, um, but you said that's it. I'm stopping. I'm going healthy eating. And I have been as well. The juice. Well, congratulations, we're on Monday. We, we it was Saturday night. <laughs> Christ, well done. Yeah, but I had 24 hours. Yeah, but no, no, no. I did yesterday as oh, well. Okay, brilliant. Congratulations. I'm flying, mate. Um, if you fancy a juicer, if you're going soup, if you want to cleanse, everybody needs a cleanse. Um, there's the, there's the, there's a juicer that's absolutely top high end. Uh, people know it. Nova Vita juicer. It retails for 400 pound or 399. It's currently on sale for 249. Wait there. Wait there because in a week's time this is going down to 149 pounds. It's unbelievable. Uh, the Novus Citrus Press Juice. I mean, this is one of the these huge things. You literally stick them in, drop in the vegetables, drop in your, drop in whatever you want, your fruit, and you're getting absolutely. It's it's incredible. Antioxidants are us, is what I'm talking about. <laughs> right. Um, and look, everybody knows Kino. Your place is like a fridge at home. It's like a fridge. You well, need a halogen heater in your life. We've discussed some of the temperatures. We it's have. It's a little bit... You We're know, at 14s, 15s. When if I'm lucky, mate. If you're if you're in rented... I'm doing one in here. I'm freezing. <laughs> <laughs> if you're in rented accommodation, unfortunately, sometimes the um, the double glazing is, is not quite there. Let's put it that way. Well, would you like a Beldre 3-bar halogen heater for £20? Uh, I'd bite your hand off for £20. Would man. you like a warm light halogen heater for £15? I'd snap it off. Or would you like a Daewoo? Halogen heater for £10. I'd rip it off and eat it's, it. it. It's unbelievable. So, look, make sure that you get involved. Um, Kettleandtoasterman.co.uk And they are, bear with me, giving away. And, and there's a lot of different air fryers here. And they are magnificent. They are magnificent. Um, a free air fryer for anyone who wants to join them. If you just follow them on Facebook, Kettle and Toasterman. You can't forget that name. Kettle and Toasterman for a double air fryer. All you need to do is follow them, like them, and share Kettle and Toasterman, and you are straight in 
for the draw to win a double air fryer exclusively at the Express and Star Wolves podcast. So make sure you do that. Can't, you can't say fairer than that, can you? You love it. You love you, to see it. You love to see it. I tell you what you love to see. Well, I don't love to see too many of them. <laughs> 81 questions now there's, from the public. There's more than last time I checked. We're not going to... Um, we can't go through everybody's, but we'll, we'll try and do... Um, we'll try and... I'll try and get through 10 or 15, okay? Ready? I'm, I, I'm, we, I'm sure we've answered a lot of, a lot of people's questions I already. Hope so. Okay, here we go. Uh, Linda's Lama says, Suddenly we're looking like a completely different prospect, Liam. We are some of the... Where, what are some of the ingredients in Lopetegui's secret sauce? <laughs> Um, well, it's a good way of putting it. Taste the sauce. <laughs> it, it's funny how attitudes and sort of you know the atmosphere changes very quickly, isn't it, in football? Mm. And all you need is a well. Uh, to be fair, it's performance is more than results, probably. Mm. Um, maybe Boxing Day last minute winner helped as well. Mm. Um, but look, I, I think there's a couple of factors. One of them being two fitness coaches. Mm. I think that's massive. Um, Wolves certainly look like they're coping with the demands um, of, of Premier League football a lot better, mm. and I think that's going to have a, a, a say. Uh, mm. You know, the, the session has been quite grueling. Um, Lopetegui is insisting on everyone to speak English, um, which I think is a very, a very good thing. Um, he's trying to get across these sort of British values in the side, albeit it's a side that's very much made up of, of, of foreigners. Uh, he is bringing that sort of identity. Identity is massive in football, so they're, they're two key ones already. Um, and, and, you know, there's a, a, a new psychologist in, um, which I know there's a question on that, so I'll, I'll mention that quickly as well. Uh, Dr. Martin Littlewood, he's been at several clubs, uh, was at Villa with Gerard and Rangers previously as well. Um, he's sort of in and around the dugout with the players and the, and the, and the coaching staff. Little things like that are going to help because Wolves are under a lot of pressure. Um, it's very intense at the moment. And I think all those ingredients together with the kind of pedigree that Lopetegui is bringing seems to be adding to... A pretty tasty sauce. Uh, very tasty, very tangy, <laughs> very hot. Um, Dom Russ says, it's very quiet on the transfer front. How much confidence do you have that deals will be made, especially if Jean Moutinho is injured on top of Boubacar Traore? Midfield is critical, he says. He's not wrong. You know, Wolves definitely need to sign a midfielder or two, um, depending on, on the system they're playing. Uh, look, there's a lot of people that are, are talking about the lack of signings or lack of signings since Mateus Cunha came in the door. And I can understand that, you know, we're, what is it, the 9th of January today, almost the 3rd through the month. But do not fear, there's a lot of work going on in the background. Um, look, part of my job and, and other uh, reporters focusing on Wolves is, is to try and find out this information. But in the meantime, when, when there is little to, to feed off, we know that there's a lot of uh, work going on in the background. So, look, they're, they're definitely working and speaking to people and trying to get these signs through the door. I think the, the main issue that is plaguing them at the moment is that a lot of clubs don't want to lose players early in the window for whatever reason, whether it's they need replacements or they're asking for too much money. Um, I think it's very fair to say that Wolves paid over the odds for Mateus Cunha. I don't think you can argue against that. And Wolves are quite keen not to pay over the odds for players going moving forward in January. So it may not be quite as quick um, as some fans would have liked. Of course, you know, we had the, the comments from Matt Hobbs about getting one or two in by the, the beginning of the month, um, hopefully, which obviously hasn't happened yet. Um, but I think there's a quiet optimism that, you know, in the next week or so, we, we could see some more come through the door. Um, with Cunha as well, it was the, the part of the issue was, and the reason for doing it quickly and paying over the odds is that clubs wanted him, Leeds and, and Everton, in particular, were massively keen on getting him. He was Lopetegui's man. He was their number one mm. target. They wanted him and they got him in quickly. So 
You can't argue with that. Equally, they don't want to be doing that. There isn't a, a bottomless pit of money to be sure. doing that with every single transfer. Um, otherwise, they would be overpaying um, and they'd have those plays in, in, in a lot quicker. So um, that's a stumbling block. Um, and then really, there's kind of players they're looking for. I mean, there, there will be some young players and promising talents coming in. That's the plan. Um, but they also want Premier League experience. Um, so, you know, they've got to get the right kind of players that are at the right age. That's why the likes of... Mario Lamina, for example, mm -hmm. is, is of interest. He's 29, played in the Premier League before. So mm. that's the kind of uh, players we're looking at. Matthew Scriven says, after being back for a season and a half, it's, is it perhaps time to accept that Raul just can't play at the level he used to anymore? It pains me to say it, but I think so. In all the time he's been back, there's been barely a glimmer of the old Raul and he looked way off at Anfield. Very quickly, I forgot one point for the last question before I forget. Um, it's, it's more of a matter of when, not if, players will come in. Mm. Because... Lopetegui's arrived with a, a, a promise of getting yeah. a certain number and certain calibre of, of, of signings. So, but that's by our time. Um, you know, we want it to be quick, but mm. I, th I think it, it'll, it'll happen, mm. certainly. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll be honest. I, I do think that he looks sharper against Liverpool. I really do. Like, football's a matter of, of opinions and everyone's got one. Um, a lot of people won't agree with me and that's, that's fine. Um, and he definitely wasn't completely at it. I, you know, I'd be lying if I said it was a 10 out of 10 performance. There was a, a couple of moments where he tried a few flicks that didn't come off. And But I, I thought, you know, he was getting into the areas in the six-yard box better. Um, he linked up better with Guedes and Traore. I thought it was a it was a more accomplished performance from him. And I think, you know, if he can build from that, there's potential for mm. him. But, you know, his cost has been very much ahead of him in the pecking order. So it depends when he's back from uh, back from injury and, and whether he plays or not. Ronan Gibbons says, do you think Wolves are becoming feared again? It looks like J-Lo has got everyone uh, all in in this project. And I feel that we're starting to get the good feeling back around the ground and around the club. I don't think anyone will be relishing the prospect of playing us. I think that's a fair point. Yeah, there'll be an element of that. Um, you know, with Wolves' position in the table, it's not going to be absolutely frightened of them. But, you know, Wolves have got players such as Nunes who are improving in a slightly different position. And opposition teams will know that. So um, there's definitely a factor to that, I think. Uh, Jathan Nuda says, Will Liverpool and VAR show us what portion of the pitch isn't covered and what parts of other pitches in other stadiums have a similar issue? In tennis, Hawkeye doesn't just cover part of the court lines. How long have they been aware of this at Liverpool? I mean, all, all I can add to that is it's shocking. It's, it's, just, it's just ridiculous, isn't it? It really is. I mean, sources at ITV have, have reportedly said that it was a freak accident, um, that those images weren't available to VAR, but... You know. If the boot was on the other foot, would, would would the same situation have happened? It doesn't feel like it, does it? <laughs> I don't know. I'm not going to get on that. I know. I was, I, was, I was hanging you out to dry there, weren't I? Um, yeah, a couple of Colin saying give him a little bit of respect. So fair enough, kind of discussed about that. Thank you very much, Martin. Um, ba -ba -ba. Paul, we kind of answered that as well last week. Uh, for the first time, says Scotty Big Mac, uh, for the first time in a while, I'm looking forward to the next game with a sense of excitement and confidence. Does everyone else feel the same? Yeah, that was sort of what I was getting at in one of the previous um, topics, really, because there is a, a feel around Wolves in a, such a short space of time that they're, they are moving in the right direction. But that's really come from not only some of the results have been good, to be fair, but the performance is more than anything, I think. And the fact that the same players, by and large as we've had all season, are stringing performances together. Not just in individual games, but as a collective, mm -hmm. one game after the next. I think steadily improving in those games as well um, can only be a good sign. And the, the, the relationship with the fans is massive. 
and we saw at the end of the Liverpool game, we've seen it previously as well, the sort of show of unity as the players approach the fans, the fans are you know, giving them all the praise that they, they deserve, the players are reciprocating that, um, they all stood in a line and clapped them together, that kind of, even just the imagery of that, that kind of unity is going to be massively important for Wolves. They need the fans on side and right now they've got them. There's quite a couple of, well, quite a few people asking the same question now. Can you beg Wolves not to sell Mates and Nunes and, and Neves in the summer? Craig says, uh, can you address the Nunes situation? Is he likely to go in the summer? Appreciate that he was a maybe always meant to go to an inverted commas bigger club, but why sign him on a five-year deal if this was the case? Um, look, um, I, I get the Mates Nunes thing and you can discuss whether um, you think it's likely or, or there's a chance, I think there's a chance, there's definitely more than a chance that he might go to Liverpool in the summer, depending on the fee. Um, but what I would say on the flip side of that, Liam, is that I think there's more of a chance and in, in fact incredibly likely whether Wolves stay up, let's hope they do all go down, but I think they're going to stay up and this guy will be integral to doing that, that Ruben Neves leaves in the summer. So if Ruben Neves leaves in the summer, and let's say Jean Moutinho is probably going to leave in the summer as well. You lose Neves, ne sorry, Nunes in the summer as well. There, there's your starting three midfielders probably that you're losing. So that, that's, that's a huge hole, um, to fill. That's a complete rebuild. Stop it. That's a complete rebuild at this football club. And, um, you know, out of those three, you think that probably Nunes is the, the likeliest to stay just because the other two are probably going to go and not going to be here. So if you do get rid of those three, then you need to have people ready to come in. You need to have people ready to come in who are going to know, um, you know, how to play Premier League and, and, and really start from start game week one and, and be top draw because that's a massive hole to fill if all three go. Yeah, uh, Wolves were in a better position, obviously, with Nunes. Been on a five-year deal and, you know, stronger negotiation uh, position to, to keep hold of them if they can. Um, so, in, yeah, in terms of obviously all the, the stuff with Liverpool and everything, um, Liverpool, as well as a lot of other teams, City being one, um, were very tempted by Nunes in the summer, chose not to make a move. Wolves did, and of course, landed him. Um, so we know that they're interested. We know that they like him. Liverpool, as a club, need midfield signings. So it's an easy, um, it's an easy one to do, really, for them. It's a no-brainer for them if they can get him to try and bring him in. The idea or the likelihood rather of that happening in January is very, very slim. He can't play for Liverpool this season if he does leave because he's played for Sporting and Wolves already. He can register for a third club, but he can't play for that third club in the same season. So he wouldn't be able to play for them. So the likelihood of him going is very, very unlikely. Wolves are not interested in allowing key players like Neves and Nunes to go anywhere in January. Um, but it's more likely than not that Wolves lose at least one of them and perhaps both of them in the summer purely because of the kind of attention they're going to be getting. Mm -hmm. On Neves... He, he'll have a year left in the summer. He's obviously uh, an incredible player that a lot of clubs like. He was meant to leave last summer and it didn't happen. So it's very likely that he will go in the summer. With Nunes, Wolves always, the idea with bringing him in is that, and we said this in the summer when Wolves signed him, is that he knows Wolves will allow him to leave at the right time for the right money um, to a, you know, inverted commas, bigger club. Um, that's always been the way that, you know, look at the Diogo Jota moving on, other players. It's, it, if Wolves can command the right money for a player, they will allow them to move on. Um, and that's always been that's always been the idea. Wolves are in a very good position to get the right money for him with his contract situation. Um, and if it does happen in the summer, you would hope they get the right the right kind of fee. But it would be definitely one to watch because Liverpool want him, Liverpool like him. It's whether Wolves can afford to allow all of them to leave, <coughs> as you say, in, a, in one window and whether they can get the right money for him. Don't any of this... Um... 
would give you a couple of couple of cast offs either in return as well as a decent transfer. Yeah, it didn't fee. work last time, did it? No, so. did it? Did no, it did not. <laughs> no, it did not. Um, where is he now anyway? Hoover. He's at PSV on loan, isn't he? Is, is he doing any good? Uh, last I checked, he's played a few games, not loads. He's not going to have a false future, though, is he? I'm not sure. Mm. I, I don't know. There was a there was a moment earlier in the season where he was left out of their squad and was playing with their 23s at PSV, mm. so that's not a great sign. Um, Andrew Krasnowski says, any chance you can get Liam some decent clothes? <laughs> Dresses like a student, he says. Yeah, no, it's an interesting, interesting question. Um, <laughs> I can sense a big bite back here. No, 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 there's not going to be any bite, honestly. Um, I'll just remind people that I'm 26 years old, not 45. Um, and uh, I'm guessing the person who's asked this question cannot say the same. <laughs> so, uh, oh, wow. so He's going for him. So, yeah, so, yeah. Um, you wouldn't know fashion if it slapped you in the face. Wow! I knew you were going to get tasty. Some of that, some of that Lopatigi hot sauce. I love it, mate. Oh goodness me! Wow, uh, that's one listen we've just lost. Anyway, um, Chloe says, Chloe, WWFC, will Wolves one hundred percent make signings this window and back the manager? Yes, they will make signings this window. Um, I think it'd be an absolute disaster and travesty, if I'm being honest, if they don't. Um, aside from obviously. Bring a Cooney in. Um, as far as I'm aware, it's a very much a matter of when, not if. Julian Lopetegui has been promised a certain quota. He, you know, he, he knows he needs players in. He made that very clear from the beginning as well. Um, they've just got a very specific uh, demographic, I suppose, of, of uh, and sort of uh, profile of player that they want to bring in. So they've got to get those deals done. Uh, Wolfpack says, is, is Carlos Alcaraz from uh, Racing... Uh, a genuine target, or is Lamina still their main midfield priority? Yeah, la- last I've checked, um, is Alcaraz was not one they were looking at. Uh, I know a lot of clubs have been linked with him. I think Southampton being one, if reports are to be, be believed around that, I think they're they're moving for him. But um, no, I don't believe Wolves are in for him as it stands. Lamina very much uh, a target, very much someone they want. They've made approaches. They're trying to get that over the line. And look, he's twenty nine. He's played Premier League football before. He's a midfielder, and I think you know, Wolves do need a midfielder. So he fits the profile of what Wolves are after. Uh, OK, let's go on to West Ham United. I mean, look, Wednesday is a big game. Saturday is absolutely massive. Um, if Wolves win that game, then I think that they'll probably be out of the bottom three uh, come Saturday evening. It's, um, it's such a huge game, I think, of football. Look, of course, he's picking the best possible lineup, and we don't know the situation with certain players and their injuries, but let's... Let's say, for instance, all three of them, and that's, that's, that's um, Pedence, Moutinho and Costa are all available for selection. Let's just say that for the game. Um, where do you think or what do you think he will pick for, for that one? Um, and just to, just to coincidentally on that game, on the same day, um, there is Forrest against Leicester yeah. and Everton against Southampton. Big games. So it could be a huge weekend. And look, even though even though Villa, I'm not a big fan of, uh, could do with them doing a, doing them a favour. I know they're kind of in the mix as well, but you'd rather Villa beat Leeds at Villa as well. I think it's fair to say. Yeah, and, and if I'm being honest, I don't think Villa will get dragged into it. I think no. they've got a very good manager. I think their their squad is good yeah, enough to I think so stay too. up. So, but Wolves, West Ham, Forest, Leicester, and Everton, Southampton, all kicking off at three on Saturday. That could be huge in the way that we're looking at the table between three o'clock and what we're looking at at five o'clock. Massive game, Liam. Formation, team, where is Lopetegui going? Yeah, I think he very much goes along 4-3-3, 4-2-3-1 route. Um, again, particularly at home, back in the Premier League. Um, and it will be as strong as he can possibly do, depending on 
recovery from Wednesday and who plays and injuries, as you mentioned. So um, I would suspect Saar plays. I think that's a no-brainer. I think the back four probably picked itself as well. Um, Samedo, Collins, Kilman, Bueno, I would imagine. Mm -hmm. The midfield, I think... Like the, the, the sitting two definitely pick themselves. I think Neves and Nunes, I think that, that's a no-brainer. It's an interesting one whether it's a flat three in midfield or whether there is someone in the 10. Moutinho was playing there before his injury. If he doesn't play Wednesday, is he back in and available to come in and play um, from the start there? Maybe we'll see a Hodge in there and maybe it'd be more of a flat rather than... Mm -hmm. But Hodge did come on also recently playing in, in, in a 10 and do okay. Uh, so Villa. Uh, yeah, exactly mm. at Villa, yeah. So there's there's potential there. So I could see maybe Hodge... Once a one of Moutinho-Hodge, you'd say, at this I, I would time. I would expect so, yeah. Very much depends on, as you say, recovery injuries mm -hmm. at the moment. Um, and then if Pedence is fit and available, maybe he gets 20 minutes on Wednesday if he is fit and available off the bench, then I, I would say he probably starts um, against um, against West Ham. I think Cunha probably gets his first start. Oh, really? If, if it's not Wednesday. Okay, interesting. I, I think he probably gets it against West Ham. Um, and then it's really the right side, which is either going to be a Huang or an Adama, I would guess. So um, the majority, I think, picks, picks itself, but it's very much regard, you know, uh, relying on fitness, injuries, etc., with a tight turnaround from Wednesday. I'm going to slightly, I think, completely right at the back, completely right. Obviously, Saar comes back in, of course. Um, completely right in midfield, agree with that. Um, Pedence for me, yes. Um, I think that if Costa isn't fit on Wednesday, um, and Jimenez leads the line and does well. I think that I think that he plays regardless of Costa potentially on Saturday. Let's say he comes in, he scores, he has sixty minutes before replaced by Cunha. I think they give him then the lead the line on on Saturday. Um, with Cunha coming on, I don't think Cunha be ready for a start on West Ham. That's just me. Um, and I think, especially because we've seen him, we've seen him 10 minutes, we've seen him 25 minutes. Does he then go to, I'm not saying he's going to 90, of course he's not for Saturday against West Ham, but is he going to, could you do, could you get 60 out of him potentially on Saturday? I don't think he's going to start on Wednesday. I think that's, I don't think he is, couldn't you? I think, does he start on Saturday? Yeah, I think I agree with that. I think that's the, the decision. I think, I think they won't know he's going to start on Saturday up front until they, they assess Costa. They see how Jimenez plays on Wednesday. And and obviously how Cunha's doing as well. So I think that one's up for grabs at this moment in time. If I had to hedge my bet, I'd say I'd say Jimenez hopefully on the, off the back of a decent performance on Wednesday night. On the right, it's it's that it's that. Do you do you have a dammer coming on for that impact substitution role or do you not? I think you're probably right. I think maybe Huang. Although Huang did okay off the bench as well, didn't he? So he did. Yeah, he did. Um, I know we're not talking about Guedes. I still think Guedes is still at the. Still back of the line, really, for me. I know he did okay, yeah. but I still think that these guys are going to be the ones who are going to be talked about, I think, um, going forward in, in what is a massive game. And then Aiden always wants to watch, because if, yeah. if he plays against when, again Wednesday, mm. does well, he may start in a more advanced role. Especially if Pedence isn't available. Exactly. Mm. In, particularly if Pedence isn't available, mm. and there's definitely an option there. Or so. plays and gets a knock, which you could yeah. have. And, and looking at West Ham as well, if they play, uh, I don't know how to pronounce it, but Kera, how do you pronounce it? The German guy who plays yeah. left-back. Um, he's a centre back, really, but he plays. You know, he's been playing a lot, a lot, a lot of left back. Mm. Um, you know, he's not not mobile, but he's yeah. you know he's not a, a flying winger yeah. of, a, of a full back. So there is um, there is potential there, um, particularly Adama impact, whether that's from the start or from the bench. So I think Wolves are. It feels like, as I say in the podcast, it feels like Wolves have got a few more options now because yeah. a few more players are stepping up. And that's what you want for competition. And look, they're, they're playing a lot better football. They're playing better. They're, they haven't quite got the... 
I guess the the results that they deserve. Although you could argue that the Everton game, they were lucky to get those three points. Maybe it's evened itself out to what they are doing. What I would say is, if they play like they have done, this is an important game to win. You've got to win this because then you go Liverpool in the cup and the replay. Then you go Man City away. Then you go Liverpool at home. So there's so many reasons why I think this is the time where you really need them to win this game. You know, there's, you know, Villa, we, we were quite happy with a point, I think, in the end, really. You'd have taken a point before the game. Yeah, Maybe a little so. bit disappointed with the way the first 55 minutes went. But, you know, you still can take a point. I think against West Ham, a point's not enough for me. You've got to go and beat them. You've got to go and beat them. I think so, it's, yeah. it's not. It's not, it's not the big-all and end-all if they get a point. But with the, with the results that are there to come, with the games that are there to come, with these game, with these sides playing each other, maybe they, get a couple of, they could quite easily both have a couple of draws... If you can win and get out of that relegation zone with those two important Premier League games to come um, against City and Liverpool, which, let's be honest, you take anything out of any of them, then that's that, that would be huge. Yeah, no, I agree. Particularly with, as you say, City-Liverpool coming up after that in the league. You also, in mid-February, I keep mentioning because I think it's really important, is Southampton-Bournemouth back-to-back in mm-hmm. mid-Feb. So with an eye to the fixture and how it lays itself out over the next month or so, mm-hmm. Three points against West, West Ham would be massive. And you go into City and Liverpool in the league, um, I wouldn't say free hits, I think it's maybe not the right way to phrase it, but with a little bit more of a buffer, a bit more of a, a bit more uh, security in, in, in your position. It's better to go into them if you're, let's say, 15th, 16th, two points outside of the relegation zone than if you're 19th and right in it or, yeah. or bottom of the table, you know. So. And, and you saw Everton got a point off, off uh, City, City recently, yeah. Yeah. so, you know, it's definitely doable. Uh, okay, so finally, predictions. Are you ready? Are you ready? Go. Okay, let's do... Um, Nottingham Forest against Wolverhampton Wanderers. You can go first, I'll go second. We'll take we'll take my prediction for Forest and we'll take your prediction for West Ham. How's that? <laughs> sorry, say that again. I was too... <laughs> it was the waterworks coming at me as you were speaking. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Don't land a bit of spit on you. I, got, I think it went on the notepad. I, got, I, I could see it there. I got sidetracked by it. There's some sorry. great air dryers at Kettle and Toaster Man that you can, you can dry, <laughs> dry that spit that nearly landed on you. Um, so you go first, I'll go second, and we'll take my prediction for Forest, and then you will take your, your prediction for Forest. And you can, so we'll, we'll, you first, Forest. It's probably a good thing you're not going to take my Forest one because okay. I'm, I'm going to go a little bit outlandish. Okay. First thing that pops into my head. Okay. It's going to be a famous night for Wolverhampton Wanderers. Ooh. 3 0 away. At oh! Hello, baby. Let's take it. Okay. I'm going to go a little bit more conservative. <laughs> I thought you might. I'm going to say Forest won, Wolves won, and they go through on penalties. Oh, my God. <laughs> my heart could not take it. So you've got to go 1 1 with the draw. So I'm going to say 1 1. And uh, Wolves go through on penalties on the night. For your prediction, because yours is the one counting, obviously. Yeah. For the, yeah. Does, does the going through on penalties bit count as well? No, no, no. So it's basically 90 minute results. Just 90, so 90 minutes minute result will be 1 1. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Because if they lose on penalties, it's 1 1. Whoever yeah. no, no, potentially no. was going to win. If it finishes 1 1. So basically, it finishes 1 1 yeah. after 90 gotcha. minutes. Um, and straight to penalties as well. Straight to penalties. Yeah. yeah. It could be an interesting Ooh. night for us there. But look, potential. You never know. By the way, as well, mm. there's no VAR in the Carabao Cup until the semi-finals. Oh, so there's no VAR. Oh, don't say it, don't say it. Just put it out there. Okay. Karma, hopefully karma. Um, and I'll say it's going to be Wolverhampton Wanderers. It, it's not going to be a pretty game. It's going to be a bit nervy, but I'm going to say Wolverhampton Wanderers 1, West Ham United nil. I'm going to say they get three points, but it's not great. I'm going to say that that Wolves dominate a lot, large periods of the game, can't quite get the ball in the back of the net. 60th minute goal, and then they're hanging on at the end, but they get the job done three points, 1-0. You know I don't like to copy. 
Mm-hmm. That's exactly what I was going to say. Oh. So I'm going for it. So this mine one counts for the competition, yes. doesn't it? So I'm going one nil. One nil. I mean, if those both those results come in, Keener, we're absolutely buzzing, aren't we? Well, your bank man is one to be buzzing. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll be having I'll be having a little few quid on myself as well. So I'll be yeah. making sure that I get for the bets. Um, look, it's um, it's been a pleasure. Thank you very much to KellenToasterman.co.uk for hosting us. Uh, good to see your beautiful face, Liam, and uh, we'll see you all on Wednesday from Nottingham. Liam, I know that you're getting there very early because you like to do that, so what time are you going to be at Hooters? <laughs> I've never been, so maybe I'll have to uh, sample the... Uh... What? You, you've never been to Hooters? <laughs> no, I know what it is. I know what it is. Don't give do you me know wrong. where it is? I don't, I, it's in the centre somewhere. I don't know. I've never... I've, I know the one in Forest is, you know, away fans talk about it all the time, but I've, I've never been. Um, I've got to say quickly, and he would be he would be annoyed at me if I didn't say it, the fancy Premier League before we go. Oh, yeah. I've got to say, top of the Wolves poddy fantasy Premier League 2022-2023. Asar is born. Wolverhampton Wanderers press officer Max Fitzgerald is currently top of over a thousand people. I can't knock that. Um, so he is number one um, and he is eight, eight points ahead of Ma- Mooty Goals uh, from David Povey. Bruno is in third. With one one seven four, just moving down the list, and we have. So where um, are you? I am currently twenty fifth. That's good. Through a disappointing week, um, with one thousand one hundred forty one, but only only five points from the top ten. So I was Liam Keane. I'm forty five at the moment. Oh, Keane, no, come no, no, on. I'm twenty points off you. Okay. And I'm only sixty four off Max. Okay. So it's not you know it's not terrible. I was in the, I think it was. Uh, around the World Cup break, I was around the top ten, yeah. and I've slipped off you a little slipped. bit. But you took your game. I'm doing I'm doing pretty well, considering that I've never really been one who's done particularly well at this, mm. mainly because interest can't be bothered. Interest yeah, wanes, wanes yeah. towards the end. Um, I was double game week this week, so don't mess, don't been, mess up. I've been keeping up with this. I've been okay. keeping up with it, and um, I'm, I think I'm. I'm, I'm doing alright. I think okay. I'll be fine. I, okay. I can make up a bit of that difference as well. I think you'll be fine too. Hopefully, Wolves will be fine this week. Uh, thanks for listening, everyone. Um, we'll see you all, like I say, Wednesday night, uh, Hooters, 2 pm. Uh, from me, from Liam, have a great weekend. Have a great week. Come on, the Wolves. Take care. Bye bye. Yeah.